So as you move into 2023, you may be fearful, you may be scared. I want you to have tunnel vision on the promises and the principles of the Lord in your life. Challenge yourself. What do I have to surrender so God can bless? This can be the best year you have ever had if you live according to the surrender principle and not the hoard, the hoarding that you may be feeling right now. It's time now for the Autumn Miles Show. After a little bit of a break, you wouldn't know we're taking a break, but we do take breaks, um, you know, for our own sanity over here. We are coming back. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling restored and renewed, and I am just so excited, y'all, about where this year is going. I have such incredible, I don't know, just stuff. I have so much stuff in my brain about this year. I'm excited. I uh, The Lord has been very, very, like, very specific with me lately. You know, sometimes I feel like I get a general promise, and then sometimes it's very specific. And um, God has really been speaking to me very specifically. So I'm feeling so good about this year. Do not miss next week. Don't miss it. You're not going to want to miss it. We are launching our um, a series that I've been planning for months now. It will be all about the lion and the lamb. Both. God is both the lion and the lamb. And I am going to do a whole series on it. You are not going to want to miss it. It's going to set up your January. Like, I hate January, right? Like, I just hate it. I always have. I feel like it's so depressing. (laughs) So last year, I decided to put fun stuff in January so it wouldn't be so terrible. Um, Maybe you loved. My sister loves January. She's like, it's so great. It's like a fresh layer. I'm like, it's so depressing. There's no more Christmas. You know, all this stuff. Anyway. It's going to make your January very merry, and um, I'm very excited about it. So that is coming up. We have so many cool new ventures that I just, I'm believing by faith we're going to hop into this year. Yeah, so welcome to the show today. Uh, What is happening in my life? Well, you know what? Over the holidays, we traveled with all of my children. Now, my children are... Like they're like they travel. Like my kids are used to it. We, you know, some families don't take their kids places, and I, I'm like, <laughs> I feel like we take our kids all the places. Uh, we know how to pack. We know what to bring. We know the things. My parents did a lot of that with us when I was a kid. You know, we would just all pack up, and if it is a vacation, but chaos, then that's what it's going to be. And so we've always done that with our children. I think my, the babies, um, you know, took their first trip, like on a trip with us when I think they were like two months old, like it was very, very young. 
Grace and Jude are used to traveling. Like, we just know it. We know the drill. We travel. I love to travel. It's one of the great loves of my life, traveling. I like to meet new people, and I like to go to most places. <laughs> Some places I'd rather not go. So uh, this holiday was no different. We decided to have Christmas at my house, just the family, which, P.S., by the way, was amazing. And then after we did the whole thing, we flew to my mom. Now, flying is awesome with four children. It's so easy. It's like a breeze. Like, it's it's literally like me taking a nap. And anyone with more than, than with four kids, I'll put it that way, anyone with four kids understands the trauma of 13-hour car ride with four children. So when my husband said, we're going to use our miles and we're going to fly, it was like the best day of my life in December, okay? And it was really easy. Like, my older kids are, like, Grace is almost an adult. And then Jude is, like, old. And then my younger kids are, like, old. So because we all know how to fly, we the security thing and everything is, is pretty pretty simple, Okay. We get through the airport, we're walking to our gate, and Moses is trailing behind all five of us. Now, if you've ever met my son, he does not lack energy. He's usually the one that we have to pull back. We never have to push him forward. We all had a carry-on because that's what you do when you fly, especially when you have to pay for bags. You pack lots of carry-ons. And he had one. And it was like on the floor and it was trailing behind him. And I said, Mo, dude, you got to stay up with us. Like we're, we're going to the gate. Okay, mommy, I'm coming. But my carry-on is, he- my backpack is heavy. And I said, okay, son, put it on your back. You know how you do. And we got to get to the gate. Okay. But it's really heavy. And I said, okay, what is in your backpack? And he said, Well, I had to bring my microscope. (laughs) And I said, what? So for Christmas, I bought, he is so, so smart. Like the kid is a genius. And so I'm like, I'm going to buy him a bunch of these games that really challenge his mind. So we bought him this huge microscope that, you know, you get, you can get, I think at the Smithsonian Museum, you know, we bought ours at Target, but whatever. It says Smithsonian. So I felt really smart. So I bought him this microscope and I'm like, he's going to love this. He's going to look at everything under this microscope. It's going to be awesome. He's going to love it. (laughs) And so I was right. He did love it. He loved it so much that he packed it in his carry-on because he wanted to look, I guess, on the plane at everything under this microscope to see what it looked like really, really enhanced. Like, this is like the Mac Daddy Kids microscope. This is not like, you know, some little one. And he packed it in his carry-on. And I looked at him and I said, you have an entire microscope in your backpack. (laughs) And he said, yeah. I'm Like, I was ridiculous for even asking him that. Yeah. I'm going to look at stuff, mom. And I was like, okie doke. How that thing got through security, I have no idea. Like, maybe they thought, oh, he's, and I, I don't think there was anything like sharp or anything in it. But, you know, that's a weird thing going through security. But I guess those people, they know, they like see a lot of weird stuff or whatever. But so 
I tell you, while we are professional travelers, because we travel a lot, you just never know what a seven-year-old boy is going to bring in his carry-on. And you know what? He brought it. It was such a big deal. I don't think he ever used it the whole time we were there. And then we had to bring it back. And it probably weighed like, you know, 10 pounds. So anyway, it's amazing what priorities seven-year-old little boys have. And it's amazing, too, as I sit here and tell this story, how that got through my mom radar. How did that get through? <laughs> I'm usually so good at this. Anyway, that's what's happening in my life. I will be back with you after the break, and we're going to start off strong. I love this passage of scripture. We're going to dig right into this um, after the break. So I will see you in just a sec. Hang tight. Did you know that Autumn has many resources available to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God? By visiting autumnmiles.com, you can access them all. From there, you can find previous teachings under the podcast and media tabs, and you can order any one of the books Autumn has written. Her book, Appointed, will help you better understand that your significance is only found in God. While I Am Rahab beautifully conveys God's ability to redeem any situation you may have found yourself in. And if you want to add some heat to your prayer life and kick things up a notch, Gangsta Prayer is a book that will help you do just that. Again, you can find all these resources and more by visiting autumnmiles.com. Okay, guys, we are back. Um, we do hear from you guys how you guys like these little <laughs> stories that I tell. <laughs> oh, microscope. Okay, so today I want to hit, this is what I've been hearing. This is what I've been sensing. So many of you guys have reached out. You've commented. You've messaged. I've talked to friends in passing about how fearful you are about 2023. <laughs> I've heard it a lot. Um, I'm just so scared. My 2022 was not great. And so I'm concerned. I don't want to get happy. Obviously, our word of the year from last week was joy. And we are going to operate from a place of joy. We're going to abide in the Lord. But I, it's still like an issue, right? Looking at 2023, not with eyes of hope, but with eyes of fear, saying, what could potentially happen this year? I've heard it a lot. I'm scared. You know, I'm scared to get my hopes up. I don't want whatever. And so I wanted to talk to you about that. If any of you guys are out there and you're thinking to yourself, I can't if 2023 is like 2022, I don't want any part of it. I can't get my hopes up because it was so rough in 2022 or whatever. Um, this is for you. I feel like we must work ourselves out of that mentality. You don't have to live in a place of defeat. As a matter of fact, you shouldn't. And if you are living in that mindset, that's exactly where the enemy wants you. He has you exactly where he wants you. I'm not going to look forward to this year. I'm not looking forward to, you know, anything about it. 
because it's just going to be the same. I want you guys to understand something. You have a little. You have a little. You have a little bit of patience left. You have a little bit of faith left. You have a little bit of hope left. Maybe you have just a little bit of love left. I want to tell you, God is the God who multiplies that little bit of whatever it is you have. I want to really flip the script on a lot of these kind of thoughts. I think in a world, um, you know, used to, no one shared their feelings about anything. And now everyone shares their feelings about everything. And I think we need to hold our feelings and our emotions under the accountability of scripture. We have to look to the principles of scripture to prophesy to our future. And those of you that are going, I'm not looking forward to this. It's just going to be the same that it's always been. I'm whatever. And who cares what the news says? Who cares what your neighbor says? Who cares what your whoever is negative is saying to you? This principle that I'm getting ready to remind you of is for you today. God multiplies when you only have a little of something. It is a principle all throughout scripture. He is the God of multiplication. He can take a little bit of hope and turn it into the best year of your life. He can take a little bit of patience and turn it into a lesson for you. God is the God that can take a little bit of finances when surrendered to him and can bless you immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. Are you going into 2023 thinking, I don't got much left. I'm not looking forward to this. I'm scared about what's going to happen. Great. Because if you just have a little bit of faith, what does that do? It moves mountains. I want you to understand that God is the God, uh, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he multiplied back in the day, he is still in the business of taking whatever you give him and multiplying it and um, showing you a piece of his glory that you never would have had without it. Let's go to the text, John 6. I love this passage of scripture. I've preached it a lot of different ways, but I'm going to preach it this way today because I love it. I'm going to read the whole thing, 14 verses hang tight and then we're going to go back after these things Jesus went away to the other side of the sea of Galilee a large crowd followed him because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick then Jesus went up on a mountain and there he sat down with his disciples now the Passover the feast of the Jews was near. Therefore, Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip. Now, this story is all throughout the Gospels. This is the ver- this, the John is the text that I'm choosing to use, but you can, the feeding of the 5,000 is a pretty famous passage. Verse 5, 6, 5. Therefore, Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? It's totally testing, Philip. Jesus knew they weren't going to buy no bread. (laughs) Jesus was the bread. 
Uh, he was going to give him bread. And yet he tested him anyway. Verse 6. This he was saying, oh, verse 6 just backs up what I just said. To test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. <laughs> I literally just said that. Verse 7. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them for everyone to receive a little one of his disciples Andrew Simon Peter's brother said to him there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish but what are these to so many people I have a little faith but what is that to the entire year I have a little bit of money but what is that to my rent for the next year. I have a little bit of patience, but what is that? Because I have kids everywhere, I have responsibilities. What is my little bit of patience to everything I have to face this year? What is that? It's interesting how people don't change. We're the same. And neither do God's principles. There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are these for so many people? They're so insignificant, Jesus. Jesus, they're nothing. He has, no, I mean, we have it, but that's really nothing. It's definitely not enough. It's laughable. We're not even going to consider the five loaves and two fishes because it's so nothing, Jesus. Verse 10, Jesus said, have the people sit down. Jesus is getting serious. Every time he has people sit down, you know, something is about to happen. Just have him sit down, sit down. You know, like after worship and, and church, when, um, you know, you've been praising and worshiping or whatever, and then everyone just kind of sits down. We all know it's time to get like really, really serious. Imagine that kind of a scene where you just sang your little heart out and then Jesus is like, just everybody sit down. You know, you know, it's about to get real. And it really did get real. Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. Now I've preached this a trillion times before. 5,000 men does not mean that was the total people. There are probably equal amounts of men and women. So we're looking at 10,000 and then adding the kids. Let's say every couple that was there had two to three to five to 10. I mean, they had lots of kids in those days. Like they had litters of kids. So you don't even know. It could be 15,000, could be 20,000 people that were sitting down. That is huge. That is a filled arena of people. And ain't nobody got no food but this tiny little boy, okay? Jesus then took the loaves and having given thanks... He distributed to those who were seated, likewise, also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. And boy, were they right. This is for those who have little, little vision, little money, little patience going into 2023. This story is incredible because it shows you what you can't see about the character of God. 
it tells you what your tunnel vision at this point in your life might not be showing you about the character of God. It gives you a picture of what God wants to do if you, in fact, put yourself in the place of the little boy. It shows you not only what God wants to do, but what God will do for you in 2023 if you are courageous enough to stop negativity and to walk into 2023 and saying, I know I have a little, but God is the one who changes a little into much. God is the one who takes that little and provides until everyone 15, 20,000 people are full. God is the one that does that. You see, this is what I, I realized about this story years and years ago. Let me read it. There is a lad, verse 9, 6, verse 9. There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are these to so many people? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass, um, so they numbered 5,000. 11. Jesus then took the loaves and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated. Likewise, also of the fish as they wanted. When they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments. When we are in a position and when we only have a little, we often hoard the little. I just want to be realistic here and say, although the little boy is who they found with the five loaves and two fish amongst the crowd, he probably was not the only person in a crowd of 15 to 20,000 people who had food. I don't know about you, but if I just look at like, you know, 10 moms and I'm like, anyone got any food? You know, they're going to come up with like an apple. They'll have some gummies. They'll have like goldfish. They'll have, we all kind of take stuff for our children just to make sure like, like if anything, they got gum. Okay, Are they oh, I always have a pack of gum because we just have something in case a kid needs it. So it's very unrealistic to think that he is the only person in 15, 20,000 people that has food. But he's the only person in 15 to 20,000 people who didn't hoard his food. The thing about when we have little is when we start to have, we start to uh, find ourselves being depleted of patience, depleted of love, depleted of whatever. We start to hoard that thing that we have little of. And the very thing that God wants us to do is the exact opposite. He doesn't want us to hoard it. He wants us to give it because he knows how he can multiply what we give, but he can't bless what we hoard. It's amazing to me. I'll talk to people that just have a little bit of patience, especially, you know, moms with little kids and stuff like that. Like, I get you. I've, I understand. I understand. Like, lived it understand. I'm just trying to keep my whole life together. I'm just trying to, you know, make sure that my kids have what they need and they have this and they have that and they have whatever. But what you don't understand is I have been in that very uh, same situation. Matter of fact, I was looking at pictures of the babies when they were, when they were in their first year of life. And I was looking through pictures the other day and, you know, we had Haven 
in April and um, Moses had been born in, in February. So I had two infants that were nine weeks apart. If you have ever had an infant in your home, you know how drastically they change from week to week. So Moses was a little a little stage ahead of Haven, and they didn't catch up just um, in like their motor schools and stuff like that till they're about a year old. So we basically had one baby that was sleeping through the night, and the other one that wasn't. But they were in the same room, and she was crying all night, and he was trying to sleep. The feedings were different; everything was different because they were not twins, so we could not put them on the same schedule. They were a little bit different. And I remember looking at my life that year. We hosted more people at our house that year than I think we ever did. We had people in our house constantly, parties, baby showers, you know, wedding celebrations. We had cookouts. We had all of this stuff. And I'm looking at this picture of these two babies. Moses, of course, looks huge compared to Haven, who who was born very, very small. Thinking to myself, how in the world did we operate that year? Plus, we had Jude and Grace. Jude was six and Grace was nine. So I'm thinking to myself, how in the world did we operate and constantly give up our home and constantly open our home? Because I remember being so tired, I wanted to puke every single morning because I literally could not function. And yet, somehow, when I gave my little energy to the Lord, he multiplied it. It was because I knew my house wasn't mine, never has been. Every house that we've lived in, we have said, God, this is yours. You do with it. My car isn't mine. God, you want it, you have it. We live very open-handed. So it's easy to surrender. And I remember thinking as I was looking at those pictures, how in the world did I do that? And the only thing that came to my mind was God just multiplied my ability that year. Because to the outside world, you would think, wow, this woman's nuts. And a lot of people told me I was nuts. You're crazy. You're working. You're running a ministry. You're parenting two older kids, and now you've adopted two. What? And People have told me for years and years and years, how in the world do you do what you do? Here's the deal. My time is not my time. My life is not my life. I am a surrendered life. I am a surrendered woman. I, everything in my world is surrendered. I don't hoard it for myself. Listen, if you need a phone call and I'm exhausted, I'll pick up the phone and I will talk to you and I will pray with you. And at the end of the phone call, even though I'm exhausted in the beginning, I will find some sort of energy that the Lord gives me through surrendering the energy that I have to serve him. When we live like We don't have very much. We have to hoard it. We have to keep it. We have to protect it. You know, boundaries are great, but not if you boundary the power of God out of your life. Barriers are great, but not if you stifle and stop what God wants to do in your life. Having rules and whatever, they're great, but not if they're so rigid that the power of God is not allowed to get in and to do a supernatural 
work with the little that you have. The amazing thing about this boy is that he did not say, this lunch is mine, you suckers. You're going to have to starve. I'm going to eat my fish and I'm going to eat my bread and I'm just going to keep it to myself. And, you know, you really should have planned like I did. I was really, really smart. He didn't say that. He didn't keep it to himself. He looked at Philip, I believe. Let me read the text. I'm sorry, Andrew. He said, I, I don't have very much, but you can have it. Jesus, verse 11, took the loaves. This is a spiritual principle. You don't have to live from a place of nothing. This is all throughout the scriptures. I'm about to go to another passage of scripture that's going to show you. This is a spiritual principle that God gives us. You don't have to constantly live as if you're an emotional pauper. You can live filled with the multiplication of the fruits of the spirit that God wants to give you. You don't have to constantly live from a place of deficit. Jesus then, 11, took the loaves. Listen, the boy had to surrender the loaves and Jesus, when he said, you can have this, then took the loaves. And I want to stay on this here for just a second because there is an action that we have to do in order for multiplication to happen. What would it look like in your life? If rather than being focused on how this year is going to be terrible and you don't have very much, you start looking a little outward and saying, God, I don't have very much, but God, whatever I have, you can use and you offer it as a sacrifice to the Lord. What is an action step for you this year to look like? What would that look like to you? I know for me, Last year was a huge year of a renewal in my life, and I'll talk about it at a later date. But there was things that the Lord said, you have put a barrier up in this place, and I'm going to, like the walls of Jericho, bring that thing down. You, you can't just say they're down. You have to act as if they're down. And there are so many different things that I did last year that I, I mean, Eddie was like, who are you? What are you doing for months? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just... I'm trying something new. And it was amazing the process that God brought me through. But an action step was required. What do you have a little of? Some of you guys have a little money. There is a principle for abundance. It's called tithing. Not because God does not need your money. He doesn't need it. He owns a castle on Thousand Hills. He does not need your money. But he knows that if you surrender and tithe, he knows what that can produce in your life. He, you know, we can't afford not to tithe in my family. We can't afford not to tithe. I have too many mouths to feed. I have too many people that need, you know, $20 here, $20 there. We can't afford not to tithe. It is a principle that God has built into scripture that says, listen, I'm not asking for hundred percent, although I could take it. I'm asking for a little bit because it's when you surrender the little, that's when you're going to see my super, something you'll never be able to understand. You are going to see my supernatural power at work. I'm not asking for it all. I'm asking for a little. What action step will produce for you? A year of abundance, not a year of fear, a year of abundance. What could you do? 
Well, I don't have very much patience. I just feel like I don't have any left. Have you ever sat with the babies at church? <laughs> I don't have a little, I don't have a little, a little bit of patience. I'm so over people. Politics, this, that, the other. <laughs> have you ever tried serving at church? Seeing other people? You might not have a lot, a lot of love to give. But it's amazing how surrendering what you do have produces more in you. It's supernatural. I can't even explain it. Jesus then took what was given to him. He didn't look at the boy and shake him down and say, are you sure you don't have seven fish? Are you sure? Are you sure you don't have seven fish? Are you sure you don't have 14 loaves? Did you hoard some of them for yourself? Jesus didn't do that. He took exactly what the boy gave him, five loaves, two fish. Jesus then took the loaves and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated likewise of the fish as they wanted. He took what was given. When you say, God, I don't have much, but you can have what I have. It's then in Jesus's hands. It's then Jesus's to steward with his power and his might. And his strength. It's then in God's control. It's then under God's authority. It's not subject to a human who has limited power. It is subject to the divine that can do at any second whatever he wants. So he took it. And with it. With it. He not only fed people. And I, I just feel like I want to be clear. This is a miracle, but this story is not about getting fed. It's not about that. It's about so much more. The boy gave his lunch, and yes, the people were fed. Congratulations, you have a full belly for a little bit. But this surrender did something supernatural. Therefore, verse 14, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. It fed their bellies, but it actually fed their souls because they saw something because of this boy that confirmed to them that Jesus was in fact the Messiah. What are you hoarding? What are you telling God you don't have much of? What are you saying? Mm, I need me time. Yes, we all need me time. Congratulations. I get it. I need me time too. Is God welcome to interrupt that me time? What are you stopping? Because you're scared that you'll run out. You actually need to surrender it. So you can watch something not just happen with that thing, but something happen in your soul. I want to go to Hebrews. I've been chewing on this for a couple days now, you guys. And I, I might preach on this here after Lion Lamb. Uh, maybe it'll be part of Lion Lamb. I don't, I don't know yet. But I want to read. I want to read this to you. Um, beloved. Uh, Hebrews 6, <laughs> verse 9. I'm going to make sure these are correct. Beloved. We are convinced. Now, they say the, the writer of Hebrews is Paul. We are convinced of better things concerning you things that accompany salvation 
you know, having a relationship with Christ is not just about salvation. There are things that accompany salvation that God wants to give you. It's not just salvation when you get saved. Of course, that's an amazing thing. Praise God for that. And we don't want to diminish that at all. But it's not just salvation that you get. You get things that accompany salvation. Though we are speaking in this way. And I want to skip down mm, a little bit because I don't want to preach this passage. And I feel like I, I could. Verse 13. For when God made the promise to Abraham, what did he promise Abraham? I'm going to bless your seed and I'm going to multiply your seed. And it's going to be like the sand of the seashore, okay? For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. And this is the promise that he gave to Abraham, saying, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you. And having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. Now listen. This promise was confirmed to Abraham, if you remember the story, when Abraham took Isaac up, the one son that he had, he took him up to sacrifice him. After he did exactly and precisely what God said and surrendered Isaac to be sacrificed and God stopped it and provided the ram in the bush, that, after he surrendered Isaac, is when God came in and said, I will surely bless you and I will multiply you. And he had already given him the, the, him the covenant, but he reaffirmed his covenant with Abraham. I'm going to scoot down to verse 19. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil. I've been thinking about this word anchor. I've been thinking about, you know, obviously what I'm going to talk about today. And I've been thinking about this passage of scripture and the multiplication process. And when you, you've got to surrender it, you can't hoard it. You've got to surrender it for God to multiply it. You've got, you've got to live a consistent life and surrender. And the beautiful thing about this passage is that it tells you this promise, what God did for Abraham he will do for you. It's an anchor for your soul. It will steady your soul. It will calm your soul. It is an anchor. You can, what do anchors do? They keep the boat stopped. They secure the boat amongst the waves. They stop it. And I feel like today, some of you guys need an anchor to know, nope, Multiplication is something that God does. This passage of scripture, Hebrews, and then in John, both Hebrews 6 and John 6, they're anchors. Nope. If I surrender a little, this principle, God promises to multiply what I surrender. If I surrender it, I will see something incredible happen in my soul. It is a principle of scripture. I've lived this scripture for years, 20 years. It's an anchor. So as you move into 2023, you may be fearful. You may be scared. I want you to have tunnel vision on the promises and the principles of the Lord in your life. Challenge yourself. 
What do I have to surrender so God can bless? What do I have to do differently so that God can come in and show me something different about himself? This can be the best year you have ever had if you live according to the surrender principle and not the hoard, the hoarding that you may be feeling right now. I love this. I need to hear this. I want it to be the best year you've ever had. I want to have the best year I've ever had. <laughs> so let's have it together. Okay. Before I go, I hope that's encouraged you. Um, I don't want to go to break yet because I feel the Lord um, over the past couple of weeks have has really challenged. You know, I wrote a book called Gangster Prayer in 2019. And this is, you know, it was, oh, gosh, love that book. It almost killed me writing it, but I, I love that book. And I feel a challenge from the Lord uh, that came to my own spirit to challenge you guys with. I want you in an act of not hoarding what you have, but actually seeing what God can do with, um, with your life. I want, and I don't know why five, but God just brought five to my mind. I want you in January to make a list of five prayer requests that you have just five, not 17, not 45, five prayer requests, my marriage, my finances, my kids, my whatever. I really be specific. I really want to see this happen in 2023. I really want to see this happen. I want you to make a list of five, just five. Okay. I want you to be specific. And I want you to pray through that list every week. Now, do Monday through Friday. Maybe your marriage is Monday. Maybe your kids are Tuesday. Maybe your finances are Wednesday. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Be specific. Spend time. Maybe you spend five minutes in prayer every every day. That's 25 minutes of prayer. That's really not that much um, every day. You can go from here to Target and, you know, your prayer would be done. I want you to put it in your journal. This is tangible, guys. And I want you guys to keep a prayer journal of when God answers your prayer. When, not if, when. I want you to grow your prayer life in 2023. If you grow your prayer life, you'll grow your spiritual life, point blank period, okay? It is the fuel. It fuels your relationship with the Lord. But I really want to do this five-thing challenge and I want to hear from you guys about it. As a matter of fact, um, in the Lion and Lamb series, I'm going to be asking, what are you praying for? Five things. Pray for them throughout the week. The next week rolls over. Pray for them again. The next week rolls over. Pray for them again. We are going to pray 52 weeks for these five things in our own personal lives. And I want to see what God will do. Next December, we're going to have like a praise fest about what God did in y'all's life, praying for these five things. This is a challenge from the Lord. The Jesus Initiative in 2020 was a challenge from the Lord. I had no idea that a pandemic was going to hit the world. Um, but this is another challenge that I felt like God wanted me to challenge you guys with this year. Get a prayer journal, write five things down, pray for them consistently, and see what God will do. Okay? That's going to be our challenge for the year. It's going to be amazing. Okay. Love you. I'll see you right after break. Don't go anywhere. I have a story and a question from one of you. See you then.
It's Autumn, and I want to know, family, what is God doing in your life? If you have a recent praise report about God's faithfulness, we all want to know about it. I want to know, my team wants to know, and your brothers and sisters in Christ that listen to this show want to know. You can share your story by emailing hello at autumnmiles.com, or you can direct message me on Facebook or Instagram by searching Autumn Miles at the top of the page. I want to hear about it, guys. Let's tell the world what God is doing in your life so we all can be encouraged by your journey of faith. Okie dokie, guys. I have a question, and that was um, it's a great question. I hope you all just listen to this. It's, it's a great question. It was kind of shocking when Amanda read it to me this morning. She was like, this is our question that we chose for this week. So I'm like, really? But I absolutely love it. I often feel like my struggles and what I'm going through doesn't really matter to God. How do you know that they do? I kind of got a little sad when she read it to me, but if you're this person who thinks, I don't really think it matters to God what I'm going through. I'm going to read you a passage of scripture I never talk about because I feel like it's talked about a lot, but it applies so well to this question. Let me read it again. I often feel like my struggles and what I'm going through don't matter to God. How do you know that they do? Simple answer. He tells us they do. He tells us they do. Psalm 139 says this, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down. You are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there's a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I can't attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the earth, even there, your hand will lead me. Your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. And the heavens, excuse me, and the heights is as, okay, I can't read this because it's so marked up and I don't know what it is, is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. You formed me. In my inward parts, you wove me together in my mother's womb. I'll give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book all my days were written, the days that were ordained from me. When as yet there was none of them. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I am awake, I'm still with you. 
I um, I'm going to skip a couple, but I'm going to read this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there's any hurtful way in me and lead me to the way of everlasting. My dear friend, I often feel my struggles and what I'm going through don't really matter to God. How do you know that they do? Because he tells us in his word that every struggle you have, every thought that you have, every piece of you matters to him and he is intimately acquainted with all of them. It is why he sent his son. Simply refer to John 3.16. He sent his one and only son for you. One of the tricks of the enemy is to tell us that we don't matter because the enemy knows how much we do matter. There's my answer to that. We have an amazing testimony from a follower. She says, the Lord really gave you some revelation on this Mary and Joseph series. <laughs> Listen, I thought he did too. Anyone else love that series? Dude, I'm telling you, I would sit in my house at 5 a.m. in the morning, like wanting to shout, but not shouting because then I would wake Moses up and it would not be peaceful anymore. I love this. Really gave you some revelation on this Mary and Joseph series. It's been very powerful, full of wisdom from the Lord. Thank you. Stuff I've never heard before, but it sounds exactly like the Lord's voice in my life. Just amazing. Thank you for digging into the scriptures and letting the Lord show us awesome stuff. I love comments like this, and we're using this um, because it's so incredible to see how what the Lord uh, just shares, for, no matter who's on the, on the podcast, reaches someone who needs it. And you guys have ministered to me so much through your questions and through your testimonies and stuff like that and through your comments and your, your emails and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just so thankful. Um, her name's Jenny that that reached you. God bless you, my friend. And we're going to have a lot of really cool series this year as well. Okay. All right. Love y'all. Have the most incredible week. We are going to be back with the Lion Lamb series. You are not going to want to miss it. Do not go anywhere. Tell your friends. It's going to be incredible. I cannot wait to share it with you. We'll see you next week right here on the Autumn Mile Show. Thanks for tuning in to the Autumn Miles Show. Be sure to follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube to stay connected and in the loop with what's happening with the ministry. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. AutumnMiles.com is also the place where you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. She is devoted to spiritually challenging people and the way that they think. She is a passionate advocate for the Word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. Reach out today and book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Just go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab. Then scroll down for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to tune in next time for another episode of The Autumn Miles Show.